Meetings are a favorite target of complaints across all levels of an organization. Why is it so hard to have meetings that enthuse every participant? The obvious response is that we often want different things. Some people prefer a highly structured, disciplined process of making rapid-fire decisions on a wide range of topics. Others seek a free-willing discussion of current challenges and opportunities. Some see the meetings as a time when the team comes together to get reconnected and bond. Others see it as an opportunity to lobby for their pet project. The list of differences is endless. It's no wonder that most meetings result in some participants grumbling about the process and the outcome. In reality, meetings will always have multiple purposes, which means that not everyone will be equally happy with the outcomes. Much good can come from a well-planned and conducted meeting. The challenge is to structure and conduct meetings that fulfill the needs of most of the attendees, most of the time. In today's episode, we're taking on meetings and how to make them more effective. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Rihanna Corrin, and joining me today is leadership legend and guru, Jack Sanger. Welcome, Jack. Thanks, Bree. It's great to talk about meetings, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Isn't it everyone's? <laughs> uh, I, I'm wondering, um, how much of your life do you think that you have spent in meetings? Well, I'm assuming you're asking about my work life, and <laughs> I guess I, my my best guess is it's been around fifteen, maybe fifteen to twenty percent of the time. Okay, okay, not not horrible, not horrible. No. Um, so this past year, I've read a lot about different companies' efforts to cut down on meetings. My my husband personally does around six to seven hours of meetings a day in his company. It's terrible. But so I was curious, like, what is the culture in other organizations? And some have made efforts so that one day a week, no one is allowed to schedule meetings. Um, people have tried that out. Um, but recently, this this news kind of stood out to me. Shopify, which is a Canadian e-commerce company, rolled out its meeting cost calculator to wage war on meetings. And this tool functions as a Chrome extension. It's built into Google Calendar, and it shows Shopify's 11,000 plus global employees that, and they estimate the cost of their meetings by using data based on average compensation, the number of attendees of the meeting, and of course, the length of the meeting. So it turns out, Jack, the average 30-minute meeting with three employees at the company costs, what would you guess? Oh, boy. It's probably in the thousands. Um, yeah, it's around 700 to $1,600. And so by getting rid of even three meetings a week per person, Shopify estimates it will see a 15% reduction overall cost, which kind of surprised me because you think those are fixed costs. But um yeah, Jack, do you think putting a cost behind a meeting will motivate people to make their meetings shorter or more effective or or even to question, should I be attending this meeting because it's going to cost me something? 
You know, Bree, this idea of kind of putting up on the wall the the estimated cost of a meeting is not a brand new idea. It's been it's been done before before Shopify did it. Let me just you know, being maybe my age and my being a bit of a curmudgeon, let me express <laughs> my my skepticism about the Shopify calculations of saving large sums of money by canceling meetings. You know, that assumes that nothing good came out of that meeting at all. And it also assumes that if you free people's time up, that they will go use that time in doing something really productive and of great value to the organization. And those are two very big assumptions. Now, now let me be clear. I applaud the crusade of making meetings optimally effective and of managing attendance at, at meetings to include only those who really need to be there and who can contribute to the outcome. And certainly not every meeting is worth your time. So asking yourself if the meeting I'm about to go to is really necessary or if I have something valuable to contribute and if I can get the information I might need by other sources. All those are really good questions. You know, I confess that my pet peeve about meetings is when they are primarily just information exchanges with no deliberation about important issues, no brainstorming about possibilities, and frankly, limited learning from each other. Very interesting things you bring up there. So I looked up and the average leader spends between 20 and 25 hours per week in meetings. That is about 30% of their work week. So you're saying about 15, but right now it's up to 30%. So how do we make the time we spend together be of maximum benefit to as many as possible? Well, I do have a few observations, uh, and they're certainly not all original, but, but let me just summarize what a few of them are. First of all, I think it's really useful to match the time spent on an item on the agenda with the importance of that topic. Mm -hmm. uh, the value of a meeting is greatly enhanced if the time spent on matters of importance uh, really equals then the, the time dedicated to it on the agenda. Uh, ideally, there are topics that are of really high interest to the, the group members, and therefore time spent on carefully creating an agenda will significantly elevate the value of the meeting. Fixed agendas, just repeated every month, doing exactly the same thing, are a common culprit because it's kind of easy and, and efficient, but they basically end up wasting a lot of everyone's time. Yeah, those kind of recurring meetings. I think a lot of those are, are kind of like check-ins, you know, boss checking in on what are you doing? How are you doing? Does it need to be a meeting to touch base or is the spreadsheet of where all your projects stand, <laughs> is that good enough? You know, Bree, one of the things that many organizations lament having lost during this pandemic period and the subsequent hybrid working schedule with people only coming in sporadically to their offices has been the, the loss of human connections. You know, meetings have multiple dimensions, uh, one of which is the content that's covered and the problems that are solved and the decisions that are made. But another one is kind of the, the human connection. So, you know, you showing us your spreadsheets that describe your progress on your projects, that doesn't really make the human connection all that well. The second thing I would observe is that uh, it's useful to consider the order of items on the agenda. Frankly, the most important items should be placed first. 
just in case time runs short. You send the message that you care about the meeting's content when you circulate a draft agenda of that meeting. And then if all of those items need to be discussed and what important issues may be missing. And I think inviting all of the attendees to propose topics for the agenda sends the signal that we want this meeting to focus on things that are really of value to you. Yeah, and it's like you're getting their buy-in. Like you're contributing to the success of this meeting by looking this over, preparing yourself, knowing what's being discussed. So that way the discussion can go a little faster. Yeah, and and preparation, I think, is the key. Uh, Distributing an agenda and materials in advance allows the people attending to come fully prepared. And that way the discussion can go faster. I guess the third observation I would make is that it's really helpful if the person in charge clarifies the basic purpose for each agenda item. You know, is the objective for this agenda item to be just collecting in people's opinions and their ideas so that somebody else can make the best possible decision? Or is this a democratic process where we're going to take a, a vote and that the vote wins? Uh, now, on occasion, there may be a purpose for being just informational, but certainly participants almost always feel a lot better when meetings produce a group of clear decisions and having someone, you know, kind of succinctly summarize the conclusions of the discussion, that's a positive way to wrap it up and move on. Another idea is to just suggest a, a time for each topic. You know, some topics don't deserve a lot of time. And so if you kind of say, we estimate this is a five minute topic, and, but this is a 20 minute topic. Uh, it, it kind of sets the, the it gives a signal and sets the expectation around how important is this and how much time ought we to spend. Now, you shouldn't be a slave to that. And there, there may be, as you discover when you get in the midst of the, the discussion, hey, this really deserved a lot more, you know, gathering opinions and a lot more deliberation than I had anticipated. But again, mm-hmm. allocating a general time kind of sends a signal about how do you keep this meeting moving along and and accomplishing its its true objectives. Yeah, I really like that suggestion of just kind of putting it out there. And you can always use that, the favorite phrase, (laughs) we're going to table this. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to table it. Later time. Um, That's a great idea to keep on topic and focus. And and you don't want one person talking the whole time during the meeting. And often the person who sets the meeting up sometimes has that problem, but how do, how do you encourage participation and yet, you know, a sense of ownership in the meeting? Well, certainly, Bree, the, one of the, the forces that really can make a huge difference is the role of the person who is chairing the meeting. Meetings need a kind of an active driver, and, and the, the leader kind of sets the pace. Uh, they keep things on track by, by pulling back the group when that chases down a rabbit hole off on, this, <laughs> on a side path. Uh, they almost serve a, like an orchestra conductor. They, they bring in the participants when their contribution is needed. Uh, the meeting leader can, can increase involvement by deliberately asking questions of a, a person who obviously has useful information and who maybe tends to be a little more reluctant, uh, or maybe there's a person who hasn't been all that engaged. I think the leader has a lot of tools available to bring people in and to manage that process. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of leaders saying the hard part of being virtual is that 
it's harder in like a big meeting to see those people that aren't participating to kind of go through and and call out somebody versus when you were physically all together, you could see it and it was easier to bring people in. I think it's essential for leaders to create that inclusive environment where everyone feels comfortable contributing. And and this kind of goes to a topic that a lot of people are talking about, about psychological safety, where participants aren't afraid to voice their ideas or concerns and making sure the leaders are setting that environment in these meetings. So maybe specifically, if the leader was to ask, does anybody have a different opinion on this topic? And, you know, we're welcome to discuss that. Absolutely. So I, I guess what we're saying, Marie, is that, that there's in, in any meeting, there's two things kind of going on. One is the the content, the substance of the meeting. What are the questions? What are the problems we're addressing? And then there's kind of the process. How, how, you know, who's participating? Who's being left out? What's the tone of the meeting? And and the the leader, frankly, needs to manage both of those simultaneously. And that's a very demanding job. Uh, kind of constantly sitting back and saying. You know, are we really on topic? Have we heard from all the people who really possess important information? Have different sides of the issue really been, you know, heard? Uh, this ability of the, the leader to manage the process is an extremely important one, and it's it's complex. I guess the next thing I'd suggest is that the leader needs to be willing to kind of try different different approaches to, to discussions. Sometimes it's a brainstorming discussion. Sometimes it's a problem-solving discussion. Sometimes you want to deliberately ask someone to play the role of the devil's advocate who takes the opposite point of view, <laughs> because sometimes that isn't always well represented. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think being flexible and being being versatile is really key in being a really skillful meeting leader. Yeah, I, I've noticed as I've watched different leaders and in, in different aspects of life go through meetings that they're really good at not dominating the conversation, even though they probably know the most about the topic some of the times. They they're they're able to hold back and listen and not make those assumptions and to to see hear out other people in the group to go, maybe I'm missing something. What else? What other information do I need to gather? Also, something I've observed that you do, Jack Zenger, is you summarize the discussion periodically during meetings. And I think this really does help keep everyone on track and ensures that everyone's contributions are being heard. Well, thanks, Bri. I, I, I have learned over this over the past, past many years that the most effective leaders do discipline themselves and withhold their personal view until later in the meeting, knowing that if they vigorously advocate for one point of view early on, it often shuts down those who think otherwise, and therefore valuable perspectives are lost. So you got to bite your lip, and you got to wait and, and let, let the process play out a little bit before you kind of give your view. And, and, and that's not always <laughs> easy to do. Uh, you know, the next thing I would observe is that it's really important maybe for the leader to set, you know, again, these clear expectations about how decisions will be made. It, it's, it, it vacillates between being a democratic process and then it's being a, an information collecting process where some one person, maybe the person who's responsible for 
or quality or marketing or the person responsible for sales, they will make the decision. But the purpose of our discussion was to give them all the information that they could possibly want and need in order to kind of make a good decision. And the final thing I guess I would observe is that that the, the leader is kind of the, the source of energy. Sometimes he, he or she is the one who infuses the discussion with some kind of passion and, and they can do a lot to inject uh, energy in, into the discussion. Absolutely. These are, these are some great guidelines for meetings. I, I certainly have a few that I want to incorporate. Another good habit I want to point out would be at the end of every meeting or later in an email, maybe, to ask the group what could be done to have future meetings be even more productive and efficient. When the question is genuinely asked, participants can see the sincere desire that leader has to make their future meetings be better than the last one. So putting that out there, asking for feedback, we know is always a good thing. Uh, I really applaud that that suggestion, Bree. I would make just one final word of caution, and that is that some people believe that the best way to have a shorter meeting is to limit the involvement. You know, and, and it's to based on the assumption that that more involvement takes a lot more time. I propose maybe that the the better approach is paring down the number of items that you're attempting to cover in the meeting, you know, and, and on the agenda. Better to deal effectively with a small number of topics than to fly over the top of the trees on a whole bunch more. So I guess in wrapping this up, I, I would just say leaders need to ensure that there is high involvement. They need to kind of work on the atmosphere that they create where members not only feel the opportunity, but they feel the need to, to make their views known. And, uh, you know, I, I think part of that can include the leader monitoring some one person who maybe is more contentious and maybe gets the group off on not very effective paths. Uh, the leader needs to kind of manage that, that climate of the, of the meeting uh, because it can make huge differences. Yeah, there, there is always that one person in the meeting. <laughs> we, all, we all know. We all know the person. And that's good to keep in mind. Well, again, and, and wrapping up, let's just say we all love to criticize meetings, but there can be many benefits. Having the ability to move meetings along quickly, controlling side conversations, taking issues that need more discussion kind of offline, and getting important decisions made, doing that can have a profound impact on the success of any organization. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you are interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.